You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear mission log, stardate 3901. After a full year of being marooned, our first hyperspeed test flight is a go. Who are you talking to? Uh, no one. You were narrating again. I was not. Just doing the mission log. You do know no one ever listens to the... I know that. Narrating helps me focus. Ready, Captain Lightyear? Ready as I'll ever be, Commander Hawthorne. This is exciting. A new adventure. I'm going to grant you four minutes to be off planet, but then you come right back to us. To infinity. And beyond. You are clear for hyperlaunch. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Buzz, that was utterly terrifying, and I regret having joined you. Buzz Lightyear to Star Command. Come in, Star Command. Why don't they answer? Hey, hey! Shh! The robots! The what? What is happening right now? Alicia? Oh, no. That's my grandmother. But, Socks, how long were we gone? Meow, 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 meow. 62 years, 7 months, and 5 days. What? I hope you're ready for action. Because all we needed was a pilot. For what? To destroy the alien ship. I have a plan, and I have a team. Jarvi can take any three things and make them explode. I do this, and they shave a little time off my sentence. Okay. And what about you? Well, I thought this was going to be like a fun boot camp workout thing. <laughs> but it is not. Did I get it? Pretty close. I need the... You know what saying? The harpoons? Buzz! Buzz, right here! The probability of survival with an inexperienced crew is 38.2%. Hmm, seems a bit low. Mission failure imminent in three. Grandma always said she believed in you. Two. One. There was a big swirly do. I think I need a bag. No, no. Please record your last words. Do not vomit inside the vehicle. Do not vomit inside the vehicle. If you are satisfied with this recording, speak or select Uh. one. To infinity. Are you trying to get me to pull your finger? Don't fall for it. No, not like that. Sorry, it's a thing your grandma and I used to do. Yeah. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Lightyear, and the story is as follows. A sci-fi action adventure and the definitive origin story of Buzz Lightyear, the hero who inspired the toy. Lightyear follows the legendary space ranger after he's marooned on a hostile planet 4.2 million light years away from Earth alongside his commander and their crew. As Buzz tries to find a way back home through space and time, he's joined by a group of ambitious recruits and his charming robot companion, Cat Socks. Complicating matters and threatening the mission is the arrival of Zerg, an imposing presence with an army of ruthless robots and a mysterious agenda. The film is starring Chris Evans, Kiki Palmer, Peter Sohn, James Brolin, Taika Waititi, Dale Sulis, Uzo Uduba, Mary McDonald Lewis, Efren Ramirez, and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. It is written and directed by Angus McLean, co-written by Jason Headley, here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> and Dan Bear. That was utterly terrifying, and I regret having joined you. <laughs> As you can hear, we are very big Sox fans here on the podcast, which I think tells everybody that I think if we watched this movie in 1995, we would want to have purchased a Sox character instead yes. of a Buzz Lightyear character, but... Mm-hmm. Let's get this out of the way first and foremost. <laughs> this is one of the most complicated premises for a movie like I've ever heard <laughs> oh, in my yes. life. Please ex- explain the theory of relativity by Albert Einstein in this <laughs> movie. <laughs> and I want to be very clear. Like, I understand where the filmmakers are coming from when they did propose this. Like, I understand. Essentially, this is the movie in 1995 that Andy, the character from Toy Story in the Toy Story universe, saw in the movie theater, presumably with his single mom, voiced by Laurie Metcalf. (laughs) (laughs) And he saw this movie, Lightyear. And this is the movie that inspired him to want a Buzz Lightyear action figure, which he then gets in 1995's Toy Story. I get it. Like, I've been able to wrap my head around it and realize, okay, this is what it is. It is a little difficult because I remember when the teaser trailer for this first dropped a couple of months ago, I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. This is a concept of what if Buzz Lightyear was an, was a human 
and not a toy. That's not what this movie is. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is, but it's not at the same time. But I think the problem that this movie has right from the jump is this title card where they do explain this whole premise about it being the movie that Andy saw and like definitively saying this is that movie. I'm going to get into all the reasons why I think that is complete and utter bullshit and also why it immediately detracts one point from my rating overall. But before we get into all of that, this is part of the Toy Story canon. It is another Pixar film. There are reasons to be excited about it. Obviously, we're carrying a lot of nostalgia with us into this as well. How far does that get us, though? To infinity and beyond or no? Emma Sasek, overall, what did you think of Lightyear? You know, I have a lot of the same uh, questions that you already raised in your intro here. Um, yeah, I was based on that first trailer, I thought, wow, okay, cool. A Buzz Lightyear origin story. Like, learning a little bit more about the man behind the toy. And yeah, once that title card came up, one, I was like, oh, haha, the Twitter meme. I'm thinking about what other 1995 movies are out there to say <laughs> this is the toy that Andy picked up. <laughs> um, which, for whatever reason, was not socks, but okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, once that came up, I was like, huh, okay, interesting, interesting way to go with this film. And yeah, I just, aside from it being much more complicated than Interstellar ever was to understand, in my opinion. Um, it just, you know, it it didn't do its job of really making me, I don't know, like more excited for this real life quote unquote character um, versus everything that we've seen in the Toy Story uh, four films. Um, it just wasn't, it just didn't breathe the same amount of life as those films have. And those films are fantastic. I mean, it's, it's hard to top them. I mean, they've somehow continued to top themselves for the most part. Um, so I didn't really expect this to reach to that level, but I thought it would be, you know, among that same excitement and among that same vibrance and life that these, that those films have brought. But this one just how flat I mean it didn't really have that same soul that it could have had it just I mean I think that there were definitely moments that for sure made me laugh in the theater and moments that made me feel seen particularly Mo riding in <laughs> a oh, <laughs> versus me on a plane but just for the most part I was honestly kind of like hmm okay well I think we could wrap this up and I still had like an hour left of the film, which is never really a good sign in any movie. So I'll definitely get more into all of that and my feelings on it. But just, you know, on that first impression, I just was not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of similar thoughts here. Lots of feelings. Dan Bear, what about yourself? I have so many questions about the development of this movie, <laughs> namely if you're going to go to all of the trouble of explaining that this is the movie that Andy of 1995's Toy Story saw and made him wanting to get the Buzz Lightyear action figure, why is the movie that you're seemingly most inspired by the Lost in Space adaptation from 1998. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. This guy, Angus McLean, right? He's worked with Pixar now for a couple of years. This is his feature directorial debut. And he's been an animator. He's also been a story artist. Like, he's worked on a couple of different things here. And he's also a co-director for Finding Dory, another sequel spinoff sort of a thing from another Disney um, Pixar property. So I kind of understand this enthusiasm for wanting to make a sci-fi adventure, Star Trek, Star Wars type of film that would Absolutely. give young audiences that same rousing feeling the way that one gets when they watch something like Indiana Jones or a Jurassic mm -hmm. Park, like something that has wonder and awe and thrills and action like i i, I kind of get the mindset but there's so many holes with this initial concept 
of this being a 1995 film that a little boy saw. <laughs> yeah, it, it. First of all, it begs the question: it, in in universe, in the Toy Story universe, is this an animated movie yeah i was or is it live action also too why is the animation in this movie like so freaking so amazing <laughs> so much better than the actual <laughs> real life toy yeah. story like universe that it exists I, within <laughs> i'm just i'm very very confused also too very progressive for a 1995 film oh. i like would yes. like not that I'm complaining, but also there is no way a kid's movie from 1995 would have just casually dropped in a couple of lesbians. I'm sorry. There's no way. It's 1995. Depending on when you were released, the birdcage hadn't even been released yet. <laughs> it does not make sense. <laughs> and besides which, like, if you're if if that is your concept, then you have so many opportunities to like reference '90s movies. Yeah, like you can you can make all these, you know, you can allude to Independence Day or Die Hard or like any of these big blockbuster action movies from the early to mid '90s. And they just don't. And I want to be very clear about something about that, too. If you watch especially early Pixar movies from that late 90s, early 2000s era, there are a lot of references to movies like (laughs) Star Wars and other films that those animators and storytellers grew up with. So how do they not do any Star Wars related thing with this? (laughs) What what cracks me up with this movie is that the movies that are being uh, not directly referenced, but borrowing some ideas from at times are movies like Interstellar and The Martian. Yeah, (laughs) it just I, I have so many questions like. It, it, I just don't understand why this had to be your concept for this movie if you're not going to do anything with it. Well, there's also a very simple solve here, too. Yeah. Just don't say that it's the movie mm-hmm. that inspired young Andy to buy Buzz and just simply yeah. say this is a movie about if Buzz was a real person. Yeah, exactly. Like, here is a little biopic. As if as if we're not getting plenty of biopics lately, like here's a very fun biopic on a fictional character. Imagine if like the title card that opens up this movie literally just said, what if Buzz Lightyear was an actual human? Question mark. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to address what year it is. You don't have to address. Yeah, this is a movie like you could just have fun with it. And it sucks, too, because, listen, maybe it sounds like nitpicking, complaining, and we probably sound very petty in doing so at times. <laughs> but at this, but at the same time, they've done this to themselves by opening up to these critiques. They went out of their way <laughs> to explain this and have this be their concept and then it just didn't even treat the movie like it had that concept this does not make sense as a children's movie that was released in 1995 it just doesn't it has none of the hallmarks of 1995 action movies children's movies or just pieces of pop culture in general no this is a 2022 movie through and through in every way 2022 movie and it it I'm not even sure, even though it's a 2022 movie, I'm not even sure if it's really a kid's movie. Like, for a kid's movie, this is really dark and complicated. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, as a 2022 Pixar movie, like, how does it work for you in regards to being a film for both kids and adults? Because it doesn't. I got to admit, like, as a kid, I did get the sense while watching this that you know, if I was five or six or whatever the case might be, I would be super into this. As an adult, I really just thought it was fine. I can tell you yeah. as uh, since I went uh, Thursday night, um, there was at least one kid behind me 
that was the quietest kid that I've ever heard in a movie. Like, <laughs> really didn't laugh. Laughed only one time at our favorite character. Um, and that was about it. So I was, I was like, I feel you, kid. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on either. <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, because then you get into a lot of uh, questions about in attempting to be a film for both kids and adults uh, with the more mature storyline of Buzz having this very introspective like crisis for himself where he feels responsible for marooning his crew on this uninhabitable seemingly planet and wanting to get them back home. But to do so, he has to uh, go into hyperspace and make this jump in the ship and use this like crystal technology, whatever. And every time he does it, if he's gone for, what is it, an hour? No, not it's even. He's gone for four minutes, and then it's four years on that yeah. planet. Yeah. Again, Einstein's theory. And so, and he does this literally every single day. Does not make sense. And because of this, like, setup, I got to tell you, title card withstanding in the beginning I thought the first quarter of this movie was actually freaking fantastic. Yeah, I really like the the setup of it. I genuinely thought we were heading into like an all-time great Pixar movie at the beginning of this film because they have a montage sequence of Buzz going on the mission, failing, coming back to Earth, and then everybody that he loves and works with, they're all aging and he's not. Yeah. And they do this as a wordless montage. It reminded me a lot of Up in terms of how it was like stylistically laid out. Uh, and I found it to be very affecting. Not to mention they use it as an opportunity to also throw in some more of those like progressive moments that we were talking about before. Um, mm -hmm. His best friend, uh, Uzo Aduba, Alicia Hawthorne, uh, she, she's a lesbian in this and they end up, I guess, having an adoptive uh, daughter or they don't really explain exactly. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a son. No, Sorry. it's a granddaughter. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And then the son ends up going to college and like, you know, they go through the whole timeline here. It's really well done. I loved this opening so much. And I thought we were going to get some extremely heady themes here about time and really exploring the concept of to infinity and beyond and what that ultimately means for this character who uses that as a catchphrase. What does that mean to him? There was a lot of good ideas here. But there, it's too much for a kid's movie, especially a 90s kid's movie. And on top of that, if with your... With the whole time travel thing, <laughs> the reveal of Emperor Zerg, who oh in God. the Toy Story movies is Emperor Zerg. And is also revealed to be Buzz Lightyear's father, remember from Toy Story 2. <laughs> yeah, you can't even get your own internal <laughs> chronology right. Like, <laughs> like, you can't even get your own internal logic right. And I just, like, don't... That ending is where I... Or the, not the ending, but the last act is where I kind of lost it and was just like, it, no. Well, so the last act, I don't want to jump ahead too, too much here uh, because there's a lot of stuff that happens in between, obviously. But the last well, act yeah. of this movie... On paper, it's a good reveal for character development and making sure that the Buzz Lightyear uh, character has a satisfying arc. However, the theme that is presented is one that is so simple that you actually start to feel like, no, there's got to be more to it than just that. It, can, it, it can't be. It can't be that easy. Again, <laughs> like you, you did not need to make this this complicated and then yeah then there's a whole element of the timeline and everything else just not making sense and they don't even bother to explain it at no. that point no, no they, like a quote-unquote attempt to explain it and it just confuses me even more slash doesn't even explain anything actually yeah. as far as i'm concerned <laughs> and i literally i want to ask children about it because i i saw that and i go like once that reveal happens, like I don't, I don't want to buy a Buzz toy. I don't want to buy a Zerg toy. 
I, I it it's too it's too dark and convoluted for me to it's not exciting Mm -hmm. and i think that's the main thing about children's entertainment then children's entertainment now you want it to be exciting having zerg be a an evil like a darth vader type that's exciting that's a toy i want to buy but in this we barely even see zerg (laughs) Mm-hmm. As we see him in the Toy Story movies. No. And I, I just, it, it doesn't, again, like, why go out of your way to have this be your concept of this movie if this is the movie you're going to make? Once again, if they had just not had that be the concept, so many of the critiques that I have and so many of the problems would be whisked away. So many. I mean, there are there would still be some critiques here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> this would not be a top tier Pixar movie, even if they just made that simple change. But boy, oh boy, would I definitely have have enjoyed this movie a lot more because I probably wouldn't have been questioning so much of it. And there's going to be a lot of people, and I've already seen this uh, happen. There's a lot of people who quote unquote because this isn't actually true, but I'm going to just say it as a figure of speech. <laughs> are on the payroll and they will like anything that this studio puts out flawed and all they, they, they will devour it. They will love it. They will say that it's fantastic and good for them. You know, I do admit that there are some elements to this that do work. I do think that the action and the sci-fi nature of this movie is a lot of fun. And it does provide some thrilling excitement, especially given the pacing of this movie. Uh, This movie goes by pretty quick and it never lets up. It really never takes a moment to slow down. And when it does, it usually uh, has these moments of humor, which I found to be a little inconsistent coming from the uh, misfit group of wannabe space rangers that Buzz ends up uh, powwowing with. (laughs) Uh, But everything with socks... Oh, my God. Is just tremendous. I mean, that character is so good. That, that, that's the best character in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Even though he's kind of like a walking, talking deus ex machina, like it can just do whatever you need to be done in that. Well, he's R2-D2. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, like every line is perfection. Like every every look that this cat gives like yes. his eyes going so big in one moment and then coming back to normal i mean it's just brilliant and then as i started my introduction the meow 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 and the beep boop beep boop i, <laughs> beep, boop, beep. I was truly the only person laughing in the theater because i could not get enough of this, <laughs> of this little oh, I, me too emma <laughs> i was <laughs> Every time he was on screen, I was laughed at some point because there not a moment goes by without a punchline or a little cute moment. He is an absolute perfect sidekick. I was thinking I was, you know, I <laughs> I never grew up with any animals in my uh when I lived with my parents right now, living uh, by myself, I don't have any animals either. And I was kind of thinking like, man, I would just love to have a little socks with me. I mean, he would just be the perfect little companion. (laughs) They are going to sell a ton of these. What in whatever form it is. Yeah. Whether it's a keychain, a stuffed animal, a robot, a robot. (laughs) You better believe I'm getting one. I'm getting it all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Seriously. And credit to Peter Sohn, who uh, voices him here. Yes. He's actually done a lot of uh, Pixar films. Uh, but this is definitely a showcase role for him uh, that I I just found his comedic timing, especially um, the reoccurring bit of... He was fantastic. I bought you five minutes. Yes. <laughs> it's so oh good. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he- funny. Something's always coming out of Sox's mouth and you never know what it is. <laughs> well, because he's also like so unassuming and so cute and that whenever he just kind of pops in with either the solution to something, whether it's uh, <laughs> fixing the ship or helping Buzz to actually neutralize his opponents. <laughs> I, uh, I also love the coughing up confetti. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Socks. We really do. Ew. 
Oh my gosh. If this movie did not have socks, I, I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> it would be the definition of a flop. That's what it would be. Oh, yeah. Pretty much. And then, like, as you were saying earlier, like, Zerg in this movie, he's not an emperor. He's not evil. He's not Darth Vader. <laughs> I don't want to get into spoilers about it, but, like, once again... Uh... His motivation is, on the surface, incredibly simple. Yes. But Very then, so. but once you actually get into, like, conceptually what it is, it's so... Not that I think children are that dumb but like i question whether they would really fully understand and grasp and like be interested in that story and character work well let me ask you this question forget about 1995 children do you think children of today would understand that well like, i mean there's understand no yes yeah, like understand yes because like on the surface it's easy to explain but Will it make sense enough for them to be excited about it and, like, again, want to buy the toy? And I, I don't know. I just don't think that there was ample explanation provided because, like, I once once the reveal happened, I was like, "All right, let's see how this was possible." And then they quote unquote explained it, but it was just over within a flash and i i still don't understand like how they got from point a to point b <laughs> it's interesting because the real like emotional crux of this movie isn't so much that because it's as as we said before it is so glaringly simple that it just doesn't feel as important as this other uh, part of Buzz's arc, which is, you know, they set up very early on that he despises rookies because he mm. is such a superstar. Yeah. He is the space ranger and he only likes to work with the other space rangers that are just as professional and as efficient at their job as he is. And so by setting that up, he then ends up getting saddled with a group of rookies who admittedly, like, can't do shit. Would drive me fucking crazy, too, actually. Every single situation yeah. they all find themselves in is because Taika Waititi's, like, Mo is such a klutz, or, you know, Kiki Palmer's Izzy, who is uh, Alicia Hawthorne's uh, granddaughter, she just wants to help, and they're just always constantly creating problems for Buzz, where I'm watching this movie and I'm saying to myself, Buzz himself has not like, done anything wrong. Like, if he really did just go out on his own and he wasn't with this group, it would be the, fine. the movie would be over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I literally just need a ship here. Like, this extra stuff, this is too much. <laughs> but I do think that by the time they get to the end, they've... They've... They've done the bare minimum where I realized that, okay, Buzz now likes this group and he wants to continue working in groups versus doing everything himself. Like, and I say bare minimum because one thing that really frustrated me so much about this movie was that they never took the time between Buzz and the other characters to really just slow down. I mentioned before, this movie has a very quick pace to it. They never took the time to slow down to actually talk about anything and ever flesh out their characters. Yeah. Instead, each one of these characters gets uh, a single definable trait of some sort, uh, like Taika Waititi, like I said before, being clumsy, or Dale Sulis's Darby uh, being this parole <laughs> convict who is into like <laughs> explosives and stuff. But they don't actually like do anything with these other characters to flesh them out or explain like how they're important to buzz really i mean they do with izzy but that's it i mean they have to with izzy otherwise yeah. you have you, you like that like i said before that's bare minimum yeah so to me i don't feel that they did enough character work to even make that part of buzz's arc wholly satisfying to me or at least at least you know it, it 
because I can't say that they didn't because they did, but it's not up to the standard of other Pixar films. That was the one part that really did feel like, oh, yes, this is how a 1995 kids movie would treat these <laughs> characters. Yes. <laughs> they got something right. <laughs> I definitely agree with that for sure. I got to admit, though, I really did not like any of those characters. I think they're fine for children, but for adults, I just found them to be annoying mm-hmm. because of how incompetent they were. I liked the um, the old convict oh, lady. Oh, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, as I said uh, before, I I did relate to Mo in the moment when he holds up a barf bag in the spaceship and <laughs> asks him, is your tummy going to be okay? And I was like, this is no kidding me literally on any plane with the Dramamine hitting my stomach and like making me feel better before we take off. I mean, I like some of the moments that they find themselves in uh, where they have to work as a team to solve a certain situation. Like when they're trapped in these, um, I, I don't even know what you would call them, but those like, red cells that they were stuck in oh yeah, oh, yeah the the cones oh my gosh They're, oh they were cones that's right yes yeah another callback to toy story 2 this movie has so many callbacks <laughs> and so many easter eggs that i don't even know if like you can catch them all on a single viewing people will obviously pick up on like the line readings that chris evans has and stuff like that yeah, but there's literally. a lot more than just that in this like for example did you guys notice that like the ship at the end of the movie is Buzz's ship that gets uh, broken in the first Toy Story film. <laughs> yep. Like, there's little things like that all throughout this movie, and I, I did appreciate that, although there there certainly came a point where I did start to wonder, like, okay, how much are we leaning into this for nostalgia purposes, and how much of it is actually making sense for this movie, for this character right now? I did like the usage of the suit and the callbacks with the suit. I got to admit, like by the time they got to the wings, I had completely forgotten that that was actually a thing with the suit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Yeah, yeah. So that was really well done. I thought as like the big climactic reveal at the end was, oh yeah, he can fly shit. <laughs> uh, but I, and also too, Chris Evans not a bad job. Oh, he did really well. Yeah, no, he's he did great. You know what's the single wisest thing that he did in this? He actually, instead of trying to make the character his own, he just did a Tim Allen impression. <laughs> yeah, but even at that, like it, he sounds like Tim Allen, but I wouldn't even call it an impression. No, no, well, like not like he's trying to mimic his yeah. voice. It was more like the line delivery and yeah, the yeah, just the way that he said it in terms of like the rhythm of it all. Yeah, he made it enough his own that it's not like, well, why didn't they just get Tim Allen to do it? But he also did enough to like make it make it feel like the buzz we all know. When you say get Tim Allen to do it, they should have gotten Tim Allen to play that part at the end. Mm. Yeah, and I don't understand why they didn't. <laughs> well, because they're trying to distance themselves from Tim Allen. Well, but that was all since after. No, like, hmm. I don't think so. I think I think there is definitely more than that, which is like, once again, very odd, because you would think that a movie like this, once again, set in 1995, mm-hmm. would not have any problems with something like that. <laughs> again, I <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, 
but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, man. Uh, But yeah, I thought Chris Evans, I thought he did a really good job here uh, because, you know, that character is so definable through Tim Allen's voice. And Chris, like I said, instead of trying to do his own thing and be completely different, (laughs) especially like some of the classic line readings, I'm Buzz Lightyear, I'm always sure, Buzz Lightyear to Mission Log, he just borrows it's like though is if okay chris say it exactly how tim allen said it like back yeah. in 1995 and it's great it's his whole opening speech is like <laughs> word for word <laughs> oh yeah like him being in andy's room yeah yeah I, I, that was so clever and so fun i love that and I love that. And then, like, just that goodwill slowly, like, dripping away throughout the rest of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let me ask you guys this question. We we all agree that the movie has a good setup here. Where does the movie start to lose you? Honestly, it is at the end of that first act. So it's like when he meets Izzy? Um, kind of. Like, I even, like... Even though that that montage sequence that you talked about earlier where he's sort of like going on the mission and everyone else is aging, but he's staying the same age, that was honestly where it started to lose me. Oh, wow. Because I like it. I think, you know, it's a great concept. But again, it <laughs> I just could not reconcile 1995 kids movie with that story. Mm. For me, I would say um, after Buzz has his first, like, quote unquote, mission with the rookies, um, mm. where they ha- they have to like defeat that one that one robot. Um, I kind of realized at that point, oh, okay, it's just going to be like a little buddy movie right now. It's probably going to be the same blunder success, blunder success thing. And then I was like, all right, let's strap in for this, I guess. So that, at that after that point, I was kind of like, hmm. But Sox is going to be kept carrying this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say there, af- there was probably around that point in the movie when I started to be like, what time is it? Yeah. Should I check my phone? <laughs> I did. I did check to see what time it was uh, <laughs> on my phone. And I don't, I usually don't do that. And I was like, oh, it's still not even an hour into this. Oh, great. <laughs> I think I started to check out a little bit after the Misfit group was introduced. Because initially when, they, when they're first brought in, obviously it's new character introductions. And, you know, you're still kind of on board at that point to a certain extent. Uh, but once I realized, oh, this is the part of the movie now where they have to learn to work together as a team and the story beats just started to become more predictable. Then in the third act, I really felt like they could have ended strong if what they were going for made sense. Yeah. And what they did didn't make sense. It only created more uh, plot holes for me to like kind of point out and be like, well, wait a minute. What, well, why? You know, and I just. I found myself, like you said, Dan, asking more questions than I should have been, and it just kind of ruined then the not the whole experience because I got to admit, like as much as I do think that this movie is flawed, uh, there is still a lot of it that worked enough for me that I still walked away from it saying, okay, like I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's great either, and I don't even think it's like necessarily good. It's just somewhere in that middle. 
Yeah. Because I do think it's well-intentioned, you know? Like, I think that a lot of the stuff that they were going for, it does work in terms of Buzz's character arc. And... Yeah. But the problem is the same thing that I've said before about other Pixar movies whenever we hop on these shows now. They are literally competing against themselves. And their bar is so high. Yeah. So high. I mean, I was one of the people that liked Soul quite a bit. Loved Soul. To me, like, that was top tier Pixar. I know a lot of people feel differently. We're getting to a point now where opinions on Pixar movies are ranging, like, all over the place. Yeah. And I think with this one, like, this is not an Inside Out. This is not a Coco. Like, this is not going to be, like, one of their... Yeah all-timers and i if it was for you great i kind of like can pinpoint exactly what kind of movie goer you are if that is your answer uh but at the same time i would ask myself like if, the, if you're gonna put this up there with like wally and up and the incredibles and things like that i i i gotta ask like what movie were you watching <laughs> Yeah, like, I have questions. (laughs) For myself, I just was, as I was watching this, I was like, man, they're just doing this to, like, rack in some some money. Like, there's no no soul to this movie. There's no, like, you know, as I was saying in the beginning, like, it doesn't evoke that same spirit as the Toy Story films do. I mean, even Toy Story 4, which, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as great as its predecessors but i mean even that one still like you could have fun with it for the most part and yeah this one just fails in comparison i i don't know like were they too concerned about like some of the sci-fi elements being too heady for audiences because look at movies like inside out and soul and everything that like pete doctor has even made and tell me do you think kids are wrapping their heads around existentialism <laughs> like they they could have gone further with this if they wanted to yeah i mean if a movie is well made it is well made like it will find its audience people yeah. will appreciate it and yeah those films that you just listed matt they're definitely they will most likely go over a child's head if they watch it when they are five years old right now but give it some time. I mean, their parents, their teenage um, siblings, whoever in their life, they will most likely understand, appreciate it. And then just give it some time. And those kids, when they're when they reach that age, they will appreciate it at that age as well. And so, yeah. Well, and also there are exciting there are characters and action sequences in those movies that are genuinely exciting, no matter mm-hmm. what age you are. Yeah. yeah, I was very surprised at the action in this. While there was plenty of it, I was taken aback by how generic it all was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, I, like, even they, they could have done something with the bugs. Mm-hmm make them more interesting it's all so tame yeah it was all very like there's that scene when they walk into the um the mining Mm. plant or whatever and like they see that oh all these like larvae are on the on the ceiling and like oh like maybe we maybe we're going to be in like a little horror movie for a couple of minutes and no not really yeah i actually did like that sequence where they had to like sneak past all of those i yes i yes i to be clear i did like that but like again it just felt like a failure of imagination on so many parts what was really funny about that dan is maybe that was me <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give them that much credit for this but maybe that was like deliberate oh if this is a 90s movie maybe we shouldn't like be pushing the envelope so much <laughs> <laughs> but again like i th- this is again like why i was so put in mind of the 1998 lost in space movie like the, <laughs> that's a big part of that movie is like space spiders yeah so like I was like, okay, this makes sense. I get it. But, like, why is that your reference point when that movie is, A, not good, and, B, wasn't even, like, that big of a hit? And everything, too, I also want to point out here, all right, the action in this movie, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as what The Incredibles had to offer in both of those films. 
might I add. And I also feel that the animation in this movie, I don't think it's bad. I want to be very clear about that. I don't think it's bad. But I've heard so many people, too many, say that this is so stunningly animated that it might be one of Pixar's very best. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> did you not see the photorealism in Toy Story 4 or in Soul? Tell me, does this movie at any point ever match up to what those movies did in terms of their animation? I don't think so. I I actually do think so. What? Um, Damn. I think I think genuinely think that this is one of Pixar's most beautifully animated movies, but not just the animation. For me, it is the like, for lack of a better word, like there is just some really beautiful shots in this movie. The cinematography in this movie is just gorgeous. I mean, like I said, I want to make this clear. I don't think it's bad, but I'm very just perplexed that I see so many people saying it's one of the studio's best. Again, yeah, it's not one of the studio's best movies. It's one of the studio's best looking movies. No, no, no. I, I, that is what I'm saying. I don't think this is one of their best looking movies. Oh, well, then I don't know what to do with you. Uh, you know what? That could just be all a matter of <laughs> subjective opinion then in that case, I suppose. Yeah. I, but there are just some moments in like Soul, especially where I'm like, holy shit, like the rendering, the lighting. It looks so photoreal. I remember the other day we were playing Framed. Uh, and Soul was one of the movies on there. And the stills that they were using, they actually looked like real life stills. You know what? They did get me with like that New York City shot. I was like, what movie is this? I was like, what movie is this? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I, I listen, I, I do think that some of the character animations in this, especially for Socks, and I think Buzz is really well brought to life here. Like, there is some good work. I, I think some of the sci fi elements. While I do think that there is a good use of lighting and color, especially when uh, Buzz is in his ship trying to go through like hyperspeed. I don't know. I guess just to me, it lacked imagination. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the the hyperspeed moment, that's like maybe the one part in the movie that I was like, this is this is something interesting and new and, you know, worthy of Pixar. <laughs> Uh, did Michael Giacchino's score stand out to anyone? Because it didn't for me. I thought it was a good score for this kind of movie. It was another moment when I was like, yes, this feels like a 1995 <laughs> blockbuster <laughs> kids movie score. This is like a common problem I have with his scores is that I don't I never think that they're bad, but they just ring as unmemorable to me a lot of the times. That when he does have something that is very memorable, like the Batman most recently, like it really does stand out. But I, I would be hard pressed to find a score by him that I thought was like actively terrible. I, I don't think that that exists. <laughs> he always does good work. Yeah, this one in particular, I honestly can't recall much of it yeah <laughs> which is probably the biggest insult that you can get yeah. to it, it's, it works in the moment mm -hmm. but i don't yeah i don't really remember much of it the mm -hmm. next day yeah all right let's get over to final thoughts here on light years so emma we'll go over to you first is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention you know i would <laughs> this will just sound funny, but it's like, yeah, Andy has no taste if he chose <laughs> Lightyear in this movie over Socks. I mean, pretty much just reiterating everything that we've already mentioned. It's just not, It's it did, definitely did not do the job that I thought it would do. And it, it doesn't feel 1995-esque in any way, aside from some of those moments where we say, well, maybe they didn't put in the extra effort to explore these characters because it was 1995, wink, wink. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it could have been much better. I, I, I did really enjoy that first third, like you, Matt, um, where it seemed like we were heading in a really cool direction. And then it just kind of followed similar waters after that and kind of lost me there. I mean, there were some silly moments like 
for example, a meat sandwich. <laughs> what do you mean you were doing? Oh, that was hilarious. I did like that scene quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And it actually got me wondering, should I start eating sandwiches like that? Because they do have a point. It is quite a lot of bread to put stuff on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, aside from little moments such as that, those little jokes or character quirks, whatever it might be. It just doesn't stand out to me. It's a shame that I just felt like this film was just basically let's let's do this because this is going to draw a lot of people to it. We're going to make a lot of money with it. We have Chris mm-hmm. Evans, who is a huge star and a really impressive cast uh, in this as well. And I just it makes me sad when movies like that are made and you can kind of feel the lack of quote unquote effort. Yeah. Dan, what about you? I can like I I think that the animation in this the way the movie looks is great. Everything else <laughs> is to varying levels of fine, I guess. I, I that that's my thing. It's like I don't really feel much about the movie one way or the other. And that's a problem when your whole the whole purpose of your movie is you know, this was one kid's absolute favorite movie in the whole world. Or at least enough to bug his mom to be like, I want a Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger action figure. Like, I don't buy that this movie would cause such a furor over this toy by itself. (laughs) Which is hilarious because I don't think that this movie today in 2022 is going to cause people to want to buy Buzz Lightyear action figures either. (laughs) No. But give me that socks, though. Give me that socks, please. Anything else, Dan? Um, no. Like there are things that I like about this movie, but again, on the whole, just doesn't work, and I feel bad about it. I do. Did anybody notice mm. this Captain America reference? Where in, when they were driving toward, um. I don't, I don't remember particularly where they were driving toward, but um, Kiki Palmer's character told Buzz, on your right, to go toward... Oh my god, I did notice that! Yeah! <laughs> I, think, I think they actually even say, maybe it is on your left, they say at one point. Yeah. Oh but, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I did notice that, yes. I understand right now that there is definitely an appeal to Taika Waititi, but I need him to kind of stop playing himself and everything at this point. But I understand that that is also the appeal. I think it's just like starting to wear off on me and it's not as special as it once was. Like, I almost feel like he should just focus on directing at this point. I mean, I'll say that, I mean, I immediately recognized his voice. I didn't know who really was in this film aside from Chris Evans, just because I didn't think that much about this film to begin with. (laughs) But uh, once I heard his uh, character, I was like, ah, there's Taika Waititi, and yeah, everything pretty much similarly followed suit in terms of the the quirky, fun, you know, silly guy on screen. What'd you guys think of the post credit sequences? I the first one, I didn't stay for a second one because I just didn't care, but the first one was cute. I like the bit with uh, Isaiah uh, Whitlock Jr. Yeah, like it's cute. I'm like, I don't know why I stayed through even. A little bit of the credits for just this, but okay, cute. Yeah, I was definitely disappointed when I realized that this was, you know, this was not, I don't want to say lower tier, but middle, middle tier Pixar. I did have this feeling of like just wanting to get out of there because I too like, like walked away from it thinking that was it. That's what you came up with. And it was disappointing to me too, because the four Toy Story movies, especially Toy Story 4, all exceeded my expectations. And I think they're all phenomenal in their own way. And I think like there was just there was an opportunity with this movie. Like Pixar hasn't really done this kind of sci-fi adventure, really. And it, if they had gone back to basics, which like should have been obvious that they should have since the movie was supposed to take place in 1995 or was supposed to have been made in 1995. I'm so confused. Never mind. But (laughs) like (laughs) it's too complicated, too convoluted. But um, (laughs) the movie itself is too complicated for 
a kid's movie that would come out in 1995, it would have been so easy for them to basically do a Star Wars riff or ripoff, you know, with Zerg essentially being Vader and like Buzz being, you know, Buzz can still be Buzz, but that's all you had to do to make this movie work for what your concept was. And you couldn't even get that right. Like, I don't think the movie is bad on its own. I think it looks and sounds good enough where I like it's passable. I can't say that it's bad, but at the same time, like you're not doing anything inspiring. I mean, I know that I'm not a kid, so therefore I'm not the target audience, but flashing back to when I was in 1995, I cannot imagine that after seeing this movie, I would be that excited about it to want to buy a toy. There's a point where socks was floating in space and my audience audibly was screaming. <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. That, is, oh, I was. that goes to show you how much this audience cared about that particular character. But any other time Buzz was in danger, crickets. Whatever. I that, that triggered my fight or flight mode right yeah. then and there. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like that was like why are you referencing gravity? <laughs> like I don't understand. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. But that, that sequence, though, when um, Izzy has to do the little spacewalk, that was really well done. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I've made it very clear at this point. I don't think this movie is terrible. I do think it is just average. Like, my score is going to be somewhere in that center spot. Oh, speaking of left, right, center. Everyone complaining about the kissing scene in this movie? Get a fucking grip. Uh, get on. a life. Like, please. Really? Oh. One, 0.2 seconds of something happening, and everyone is up in arms about it. It's like, are you kidding me? It's two 70-year-old women on their 40th, 50th anniversary, whatever the fuck, and really, that's what... Mm, I can't. Again, like, other than the fact that this would never, ever have happened in a 1995 kids movie, unless that is your problem with it, then I don't want to hear anything from you. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, I guess my grade for this, um, I'm torn between two grades here, and I think ultimately, because I didn't, like, have so much disdain for this when I walked away, I did have just more of, like, a a shrug while also recognizing that they did what they sought out to do. The justification for the existence of this movie is completely flawed and I could have done without it entirely. But other than that, I'm uh, man, it's like a five or a six. And I think I'm going to just, I think I'm going to just land on a six for the kids because I do think as a kid's movie, this works well. And at the end of the day, that is the intended audience and adults I think are either going to be passable on this uh, or I mean I've, I've spoken to some who downright hated it but I do think that those people are not thinking about the kids in this case so uh, 6 out of 10 it's extremely weak uh, but at the same time I don't know maybe if, if you're not going in with high expectations you know I think that grade makes the most sense to me Emma, what about you? I'm going to land on a five just because, yeah, I I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. I just thought it was fine. Um, you know, I think, like you said, I, kids will most likely enjoy it. Don't ask the kid behind me because I, I would actually love to know what that <laughs> child behind me thought about this, being as quiet as can be. Um, Maybe they're know. just really well behaved. He wanted that Woody spinoff instead. That's what he, he wanted. I, he was like... <laughs> He was like, this is the movie they chose. Come on. Um, but Where's I mean, the Slinky yeah. Dog movie? W- where's yeah. Woody's Roundup? Come on. We are going to get a Barbie and Ken movie soon, so we have that to look forward to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, 
I think the kids will find something to uh, like from this. Adults will definitely find things to enjoy with this with nostalgia for nostalgia purposes. Um, but just overall, it was, yeah, I just didn't have the pizzazz that I had hoped and wanted. Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position as you met where like I'm wavering between a five and a six, but I think I ultimately end up on a five. I I do think that like there's there is stuff to enjoy in it, whether you're an adult or a child. I think it definitely works probably better for children than adults. But even still, the movie's so it's so clumsy about being what it purports to be that I can't really give it credit for being above average even slightly so five yeah no i i completely agree with you i think i'm a five as well like personally speaking but if i'm just trying to you know think about this from all avenues of like okay because the main question that people are going to ask is is this a movie i should bring my kids to see and i would say genuinely like wait until it comes out on disney plus and i hate that i'm saying that i mean a lot of parents uh according to the box office numbers are probably doing just that yeah it's not it's not worth the what um the movie tickets cost these days yeah especially if you're bringing the whole family and that's a whole other thing i i want to get into but we'll save it for maybe like the main show is talking about Disney's strategy with this goes on Disney Plus, this gets theatrical only, and how I think that is actually starting to have maybe a reverse impact that they were hoping for on box office, actually, because they've conditioned their audiences to watch stuff at home now. They've put the wrong things on just Disney Plus. There is that, too. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of things should have gone to theaters as well. But one thing that I think we all can agree on is that, for better or worse, this film will probably be in the award season conversation just by default. Um, however, there is a part of me that does wonder if this could miss out on a nomination come end of year if we're in for a very strong year. Well, that's the thing, right? If we get a lot of other strong potential nominees, I think yeah. it could fall out. But then again, like we say that about a lot of Disney Pixar movies and they somehow always do end up getting nominated. So I will be so pissed off, like genuinely pissed if this gets nominated and Turning Red does not. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, picture last year, like when it came out, no one thought Raya and the Last Dragon would end up getting a nomination for animated feature and it did yeah no it lasts a whole year that's true it came out in march Mm -hmm. i remember i think today i would have it in my five if you were to ask me but i'm wavering i I, i've got it like in the fourth or fifth position wherever i have it as a default yeah nominee Until we know about some other films that are coming out, like Netflix has a really strong slate this year of animated contenders. Oh, yeah, they do. They definitely do. And we don't know how Apple's uh, luck is going to play yet. Uh, I know some people have caught early glimpses of it, but like there's still a lot of unanswered questions in the animated uh, field this year. And we don't know if Marcel the Shell is going to go animated or not. Nope. We don't know if the bad guys might have staying power for later this year yeah. with a push mm-hmm. from Universal. Like, there, there's a lot of questions. So I think that this leaves... I, I'll tell you this much. What I'm very confident about is I am extremely confident that this movie is not winning animated feature this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hope. I hope so. No, I'm... I, I listen, I think you could trust me on this. I'm very confident, like 98 percent confident. Yeah, I get that. It's it just like I could see Academy voters, especially with that opening title card, having the same questions as us and just using it as an excuse to kind of like write it off because mm. we've seen through anonymous ballots just how fickle sometimes they can be <laughs> over the tiniest things, you know, mm-hmm. so but then again, the Toy Story nostalgia is very strong with a lot of people. That's true. But this also isn't really a Toy Story movie. So, 
I don't think that that has as much of an impact as people think it does here. So right now, looking okay for a nomination, could fall out. It's a placeholder. I would put my chips on the table for turning red, though, at this point. Like, if I was if I was them in charge of their campaign strategy, I would be going all in for that movie right now. Yeah, I think it is a better movie in just about every way, except maybe the quality of the animation. Yes. That, like, it's just more stylized. Yes, so. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, that'll do it here for our conversation on Lightyear here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Emma Sasek, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek and on Letterboxd at Emma Sasek. Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Dancing Dan on Film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I just realized that when we were talking about like the Oscar prospects, I like totally missed an opportunity to say, I'm Buzz Lightyear. I'm always sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.